Act Two of Julius Caesar by William Shakespeare. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Julius Caesar by William Shakespeare. Act Two, Scene One. Rome, Brutus's orchard. Enter Brutus. What, Lucius? Oh, I cannot, by the progress of the stars, give guess how near to-day. Lucius, I say! I would it were my fault to sleep so soundly. When, Lucius, when? Awake, I say! What, Lucius? Enter Lucius. Called you, my lord? Get me a taper in my study, Lucius. When it is lighted, Come and call me here. I will, my lord. Exit. It must be by his death. And for my part, I know no personal cause to spurn at him, but for the general. He would be crowned. How that might change his nature, there's the question. It is the bright day that brings forth the adder, and that craves wary walking. Crown him that and then i grant we put a sting in him that at his will he may do danger with the abuse of greatness is when it disjoins remorse from power and to speak truth of caesar i have not known when his affection swayed more than his reason but tis a common proof that lowliness is young ambition's ladder whereto the climber upward turns his face but when he once attains the utmost round he then unto the ladder turns his back looks in the clouds scorning the base degrees by which he did ascend so caesar may then lest he may prevent and since the quarrel will bear no color for the thing he is, fashion it thus, that what he is, augmented, would run to these and these extremities, and therefore think him as a serpent's egg, which, hatched, would, as his kind, grow mischievous, and kill him in the shell. Re-enter Lucius. The taper burneth in your closet, sir. Searching the window for a flint, I found this paper, thus sealed up, and I am sure it did not lie there when I went to bed. Gives him the letter. Get you to bed again. It is not day. Is not to-morrow, boy, the Ides of March? I know not, sir. Look in the calendar, and bring me word. I will, sir. Exit. The exhalations whizzing in the air give so much light that i may read by them opens the letter and reads brutus thou sleep'st awake and see thyself shall rome etc speak strike redress brutus thou sleep'st awake such instigations have been often dropped where i have took them up shall roam etc thus i must piece it out 
shall rome stand under one man's awe what rome my ancestors did from the streets of rome the tarquin drive when he was called a king speak strike redress am i entreated to speak and strike o rome i make thee promise if the redress will follow thou receivest thy full petition at the hand of brutus re-enter lucius sir march has wasted fourteen days knocking within tis good go to the gate somebody knocks exit lucius uh, since cassius first did wet me against caesar i have not slept between the acting of a dreadful thing and the first motion all the interim is like a phantasma or a hideous dream the genius and the mortal instruments are then in council and the state of man like to a little kingdom suffers then the nature of an insurrection re-enter lucius sir tis your brother cassius at the door who doth desire to see you is he alone no sir there are more with him do you know them no sir their hats are plucked about their ears and half their faces buried in their coats that by no means i may discover them by any mark of favour let him enter exit lucius they are the faction o oh, conspiracy shamest thou to show thy dangerous brow by night when evils are most free oh then by day where wilt thou find a cavern dark enough to mask thy monstrous visage seek none conspiracy hide it in smiles and affability for if thou path thy native semblance on not erebus itself were dim enough to hide thee from prevention enter the conspirators Cassius, Casca, Decius Brutus, Cinna, Metellus Cimber, and Trebonius. I think we are too bold upon your rest. Good morrow, Brutus, do we trouble you? I have been up this hour, awake all night. Know I these men that come along with you? Yes, every man of them, and no man here but honours you, and every one doth wish you had but that opinion of yourself which every noble Roman bears of you. This is Trebonius. He is welcome hither. This Decius Brutus. He is welcome too. This Casca, this Cinna, and this Metellus Simba. They are all welcome. What watchful cares do interpose themselves betwixt your eyes and night? Shall I entreat a word? Brutus and Cassius whisper. Here lies the east. Doth not the day break here? No. Oh, pardon, sir, it does, and yon grey lines that thread the clouds are messengers of day. You shall confess that you are both deceived. Here, as I point my sword, the sun arises, which is a great way growing on the south, weighing the youthful season of the year. Some two months hence, up higher toward the north, he first presents his fire, and the high east stands as the capital directly here. Give me your hands all over, one by one. And let us swear our resolution. No, 
not an oath, if not the face of men, the sufferance of our souls, the time's abuse, if these be motives weak, break off betimes, and every man hence to his idle bed. So let high-sighted tyranny range on, till each man drop by lottery. But if these, as I am sure they do, bear fire enough to kindle cowards, and to steal with valour the melting spirits of women, then, countrymen, what need we any spur but our own cause to prick us to redress? What other bond than secret Romans that have spoken the word and will not palter? And what other oath than honesty to honesty engaged? That this shall be, or we will fall for it. Swear priests and cowards and men cautelous, old feeble carrions and such suffering souls that welcome wrongs. Unto bad causes swear such creatures as men doubt, but do not stain the even virtue of our enterprise, nor the insuppressive metal of our spirits. To think that of our cause or our performance did need an oath, when every drop of blood that every Roman bears, and nobly bears, is guilty of a several bastardy, if he do break the smallest particle of any promise that hath passed from him. But what is Cicero? Shall we sound him? I think he will stand very strong with us. Let us not leave him out. No, by no means. Oh, let us have him, for his silver hairs will purchase us a good opinion, and by men's voices to command our deeds. It shall be said, by his judgment ruled our hands. Our youths and wildness shall no whit appear, but all be buried in his gravity. Oh, name him not. Let us not break with him, for he will never follow anything that other men begin. Then leave him out. Indeed, he is not fit. Shall no man else be touched but only Caesar? Decius, well urged. I think it is not meet. Mark Antony, so well beloved of Caesar, should outlive Caesar. We shall find of him a shrewd contriver. And you know, his means, if he improve them, may well stretch so far as to annoy us all. Which to prevent, let Antony and Caesar fall together. Our course will seem too bloody, Caius Cassius, to cut the head off and then hack the limbs, like wrath in death and envy afterwards. For Antony is but a limb of Caesar. Let us be sacrificers, but not butchers, Caius. We all stand up against the spirit of Caesar, and in the spirit of men there is no blood. Oh, that we then could come by Caesar's spirit, and not dismember Caesar. But, alas, Caesar must bleed for it. And, gentle friends, let's kill him boldly, but not wrathfully. Let's carve him as a dish fit for the gods, not hew him as a carcass fit for hounds. And let our hearts, as subtle masters do, stir up their servants to an act of rage, 
and after seem to chide em. This shall make our purpose necessary and not envious, which, so appearing to the common eyes, we shall be called perjurers, not murderers. And, for Mark Antony, think not of him, for he can do no more than Caesar's arm, when Caesar's head is off. Yet I fear him, for in the engrafted love he bears to Caesar. Alas, good Caius, do not think of him. If he loves Caesar, all that he can do is to himself. Take thought, and die for Caesar. And that were much he should, for he is given to sports, to wildness, and much company. There is no fear in him. Let him not die, for he will live, and laugh at this hereafter. Clock strikes. Peace. Count the clock. The clock hath stricken three. Tis time to part. But it is doubtful yet whether Caesar will come forth today or no, for he is superstitious grown of late, quite from the main opinion he held once of fantasy, of dreams and ceremonies. It may be these apparent prodigies, the unaccustomed terror of this night, and the persuasion of his augurers may hold him from the capital today. Never fear that. If he be so resolved, I can or sway him, for he loves to hear that unicorns may be betrayed with trees, and bears with glasses, elephants with holes, lions with toils, and men with flatterers. But when I tell him he hates flatterers, he says he does, being then most flattered. Let me work, for I can give his humor the true bent, and I will bring him to the capital. Nay, we will all of us be there to fetch him. By the eighth hour, is that the uttermost? Be that the uttermost, and fain not then. Sius Ligarius doth beer Caesar hard, who rated him for speaking well of Pompey. I wonder none of you have thought of him. Now, good Metellus, go along by him. He loves me well, and I have given him reasons. Send him but hither, and I'll fashion him. The morning comes upon us. We will leave you, Brutus, and friends disperse yourselves. But all remember what you have said, and show yourselves true Romans. Good gentlemen, look fresh and merrily. Let not our looks put on our purposes, but bear it as our Roman actors do, with untired spirits and formal constancy. And so, good morrow to you every one. Exeunt all but Brutus. Boy, Lucius! fast asleep. Tis no matter. Enjoy the honey-heavy dew of slumber. Thou hast no figures nor no fantasies which busy care draws in the brains of men. Therefore thou sleep'st so sound. Enter Portia. Brutus, my lord. Portia, what mean you? Wherefore rise you now? It is not for your health thus to commit your weak condition to the raw, cold morning. Nor for yours neither. You've ungently, Brutus, stole from my bed, and yesternight at supper you suddenly arose and walked about, musing and sighing with your arms across, and when I asked you what the matter was, you stared upon me with ungentle looks. I urged you further 
Then you scratched your head, and too impatiently stamped with your foot. Yet I insisted, yet you answered not. But with an angry wafture of your hand, gave sign for me to leave you. So I did, fearing to strengthen that impatience, which seemed too much enkindled, and withal, hoping it was but an effect of humor, which some time hath his hour with every man. It will not let you eat, nor talk, nor sleep, and could it work so much upon your shape, as it hath much prevailed on your condition, I should not know you, Brutus. Dear my lord, make me acquainted with your cause of grief. I am not well in health, and that is all. Brutus is wise, and were he not in health, he would embrace the means to come by it. Why, so I do. Good Portia, go to bed. Is Brutus sick? And is it physical to walk unbraced and suck up the humours of the dank morning? What, is Brutus sick, and will he steal out of his wholesome bed to dare the vile contagion of the night? and tempt the roomy and unpurged air to add unto his sickness? No, my Brutus, you have some sick offence within your mind, which, by the right and virtue of my place, I ought to know of. And upon my knees I charm you by my once commended beauty, by all your vows of love and that great vow which did incorporate and make us one, that you unfold to me yourself, your half, why you are heavy, and what men to-night have had to resort to you, for here have been some six or seven who did hide their faces, even from darkness. Kneel not, gentle Portia. I should not need if you were gentle, Brutus. Within the bond of marriage, tell me, Brutus, is it expected I should know no secrets that appertain to you? Am I yourself but, as it were, in sort or limitation, to keep with you at meals, comfort your bed, and talk to you sometimes? Dwell I but in the suburbs of your good pleasure? If it be no more, Portia is Brutus's harlot, not his wife. You are my true and honorable wife, as dear to me as are the ruddy drops that visit my sad heart. If this were true, then should I know this secret. I grant I am a woman, but withal a woman that Lord Brutus took to wife. I grant I am a woman, but withal a woman well-reputed, Cato's daughter. Think you I am no stronger than my sex, being so fathered and so husbanded? Tell me your counsels. I will not disclose them. I have made strong proof of my constancy, giving myself a voluntary wound here in the thigh, can I bear that with patience, and not my husband's secrets? Oh, ye gods, render me worthy of this noble wife. Knocking within. Hark, hark, one knocks. Portia, go in a while, and by and by thy bosom shall partake the secrets of my heart. All my engagements I will construe to thee, all the charactery of my sad brows. Leave me with haste. Exit Portia. Lucius, who's that knocks? Re-enter Lucius with Ligarius. He is a sick man that would speak with you. 
Caius Ligarius, that Metellus spake of. Boy, stand aside. Caius Ligarius, how? Falch of good morrow from a feeble tongue. Oh, what a time you have chose out, brave Caius, to wear a kerchief. Would you were not sick? I am not sick. It brought us having had an exploit, what is the name of honour? Such an exploit I have in hand, Ligarius. Had you a healthful ear to hear of it? By all the gods that Romans bow before, I hear discard my sickness. Soul of Rome. Brave son, there from honourable loins, thou like an exorcist has conjured up my mortified spirit. Now bid me run, and I'll strive with things impossible. Yeah, get the better of them. What is to do? A piece of work that will make sick men whole. But are not some whole that we must make sick? That must be also. What it is, my Caius, I shall unfold to thee as we are going, to whom it must be done. Set on your foot, and with a hot new fire I follow you. To do I know not what, but it sufficeth that Brutus leads me on. Follow me, then. Exeunt. Scene two. Caesar's house. Thunder and lightning. Enter Caesar in his nightgown. Nor heaven nor earth have been at peace to-night. Thrice hath Calpurnia in her sleep cried out, Help, ho, oh, they murder Caesar. Who's within? Enter a servant. My lord. Go bid the priests do present sacrifice, and bring me their opinions of success. I will, my lord. Exit. Enter Calpurnia. What mean you, Caesar? Think you to walk forth? You shall not stir out of your house to-day. Caesar shall forth. The things that threatened me ne'er looked but on my back. When they shall see the face of Caesar, they are vanished. Caesar, I never stood on ceremonies, yet now they fright me. There is one within, besides the things that we have heard and seen, recounts most horrid sights seen by the watch. A lioness hath whelped in the streets, and graves have yawned and yielded up their dead. Fierce, fiery warriors fought upon the clouds in ranks and squadrons and right form of war, which drizzled blood upon the capital. The noise of battle hurtled in the air, horses did neigh and dying men did groan, and ghosts did shriek and squeal about the streets. O oh, Caesar! These things are beyond all use, and I do fear them. What can be avoided whose end is purposed by the mighty gods? Yet Caesar shall go forth, for these predictions are to the world in general as to Caesar. When beggars die, there are no comets seen. The heavens themselves blaze forth the death of princes. Cowards die many times before their deaths. The valiant never taste of death but once. Of all the wonders that I yet have heard, it seems to me the most strange that men should fear, seeing that death a necessary end will come when it will come. Re-enter servant. What say the augurers? They would not have you stir forth to-day. Plucking the entrails of an offering forth, they could not find a heart within the beast. The gods do this in shame of cowardice. Caesar should be a beast without a heart if he should stay at home to-day for fear. 
No, Caesar shall not. Danger knows full well that Caesar is more dangerous than he. We are two lions littered in one day, and I, the elder and more terrible. And Caesar shall go forth. Alas, my lord, your wisdom is consumed in confidence. Do not go forth to-day. Call it my fear that keeps you in the house, and not your own. We'll send Mark Antony to the Senate house, and he shall say you are not well to-day. Let me upon my knee prevail in this. Mark Antony shall say I am not well, and for thy humour I will stay at home. Enter Decius Brutus. Here's Decius Brutus. He shall tell them so. Caesar, all hail, good morrow, worthy Caesar. I come to fetch you to the senate-house. And you are come in very happy time to bear my greeting to the senators, and tell them that I will not come to-day. Cannot is false, and that I dare not, falser. I will not come to-day. Tell them so, Decius. Say he is sick. Shall Caesar send a lie? Have I in conquest stretched mine arms so far to be afraid to tell greybeards the truth? Decius, go tell them Caesar will not come. Most mighty Caesar, let me know some cause, lest I be laughed at when I tell them so. The cause is in my will. I will not come. That is enough to satisfy the Senate. But for your private satisfaction, because I love you, I will let you know. Calpurnia here, my wife, stays me at home. She dreamt to-night she saw my statue, which, like a fountain with an hundred spouts, did run pure blood, and many lusty Romans came smiling and did bathe their hands in it, and these does she apply for warnings, and portents, and evils imminent, and on her knee hath begged that I will stay at home to-day. This dream is all amiss interpreted. It was a vision fair and fortunate your statue spouting blood in many pipes, in which so many smiling Romans bathed, signifies that from you great Rome shall suck reviving blood, and that great men shall press for tinctures, stains, relics, and cognizance. This, by Calpurnia's dream, is signified. And this way have you well expounded it? I have, when you have heard what I can say, and know it now. The Senate have concluded to give this day a crown to mighty Caesar. If you shall send them word you will not come, their minds may change. Besides, it were a mock apt to be rendered, for some one to say, Break up the Senate till another time, when Caesar's wife shall meet with better dreams. If Caesar hide himself, shall they not whisper, Lo, Caesar is afraid. Pardon me, Caesar, for my dear, dear love to our proceeding bids me tell you this, and reason to my love is liable. How foolish do your fears seem now, Calpurnia? I am ashamed I did yield to them. Give me my robe, for I will go. Enter Publius, Brutus, Ligarius, Metellus, Casca, Trebonius, and Cinna. And look where Publius is come to fetch me. Good morrow, Caesar. Welcome, Publius. What, Brutus, are you stirred so early too? Good morrow, Casca. Caius Ligarius, Caesar was ne'er so much your enemy as that same ague which hath made you lean. What is't, O'Clock? Caesar, tis strucken eight. I thank you for your pains and courtesy. Enter Antony. See, Antony, that revels long o' nights, is notwithstanding up. Good morrow, Antony. So to most noble Caesar. Bid them prepare within. I am to blame to be thus waited for. Now, Cinna, now Metellus, what? Trebonius. 
I have an hour's talk in store for you. Remember that you call on me today. Be near me, that I may remember you. Caesar, I will. Aside. And so near will I be, that your best friends shall wish I had been further. Good friends, go in and taste some wine with me, and we, like friends, will straightway go together. Aside. That every like is not the same, O oh, Caesar, the heart of Brutus yearns to think upon. Exeunt. Scene three. A street near the capital. Enter Artemidorus, reading a paper. Caesar, beware of Brutus. Take heed of Cassius. Come not near Casca. Have an eye to Cinna. Trust not Trebonius. Mark well Metellus Simba. Decius Brutus loves thee not. Thou hast wronged Caius Ligarius. There is but one mind in all these men, and it is bent against Caesar. If thou beest not immortal, look about you. Security gives way to conspiracy. The mighty gods defend thee, thy lover, Artemidorus. Here will I stand till Caesar pass along, and as a suitor will I give him this. My heart laments that virtue cannot live out of the teeth of emulation. If thou read this, O Caesar, thou mayst live. If not, the fates with traitors do contrive. Exit. Scene 4. Another part of the same street, before the house of Brutus. Enter Portia and Lucius. I prithee, boy, run to the senate-house. Stay not to answer me, but get thee gone. Why dost thou stay? To know my errand, madam. I would have had thee there and here again, ere I can tell thee what thou shouldst do there. O constancy, be strong upon my side. Set a huge mountain tween my heart and tongue. I have a man's mind, but a woman's might. How hard it is for a woman to keep counsel. Art thou here yet? Madam, what should I do? Run to the capital and nothing else? And so return to you and nothing else? Yes. Bring me word, boy, if thy lord look well, for he went sickly forth. And take good note what Caesar doth, what suitors press to him. Hark, boy, what noise is that? I hear none, madam. Prithee, listen well. I heard a bustling rumor, like a fray, and the wind brings it from the capital. Sooth, madam, I hear nothing. Enter the soothsayer. Come hither, fellow, which way hast thou been? At mine own house, good lady. What is it o'clock? About the ninth hour, lady. Is Caesar yet gone to the capital? Madam, not yet. I go to take my stand to see him pass unto the capital. Thou hast some suit to Caesar, hast thou not? That I have, lady. If it will please Caesar to be so good to Caesar as to hear me, I shall beseech him to befriend himself. Why? Knowest thou any harms intended toward him? None that I know will be, much that I fear may chance. Good morrow to you. Here the street is narrow, the throng that follows Caesar at the heels, of senators, of praetors, common suitors, will crowd a feeble man almost to death. I'll get me to a place more void, and there speak to great Caesar as he comes along. Exit. I must go in. Ay, me, how weak a thing the heart of woman is. O oh, Brutus, the heavens speed thee in thine enterprise. 
sure the boy heard me brutus hath a suit that caesar will not grant oh i grow faint run lucius and commend me to my lord say i am merry come to me again and bring me word what he doth say to thee exeunt severally end of act two Act Three of Julius Caesar by William Shakespeare. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Julius Caesar by William Shakespeare. Act Three, Scene One. Rome before the Capitol, the Senate sitting above, a crowd of people, among them Artemidorus and the soothsayer. Flourish. Enter Caesar, Brutus, Cassius, Casca, Decius Brutus, Metellus Cimber, Trebonius, Cinna, Antony, Lepidus, Papilius, Publius, and others. To the soothsayer. The Ides of March are come. Ay, Caesar, but not gone. Hail, Caesar! Read this schedule. Trebonius doth desire you to o'er-read at your best leisure this, his humble suit. O oh, Caesar, read mine first, for mine's a suit that touches Caesar nearer. Read it, great Caesar. What touches us ourself shall be last served. Delay not, Caesar. Read it instantly. What is the fellow mad? Sirrah, give place. What, urge your petitions in the street? Come to the capital. Caesar goes up to the senate-house, the rest following. I wish your enterprise to-day may thrive. What enterprise, Pupilius? Fare you well. Advances to Caesar. What said Popilius Lena? He wished to-day our enterprise might thrive. I fear our purpose is discovered. Look how he makes to Caesar. Mark him. Casca, be sudden, for we fear prevention. Brutus, what shall be done? If this be known, Cassius or Caesar never shall turn back, for I will slay myself. Cassius, be constant. Papilius Lena speaks not of our purposes, for look, he smiles, and Caesar doth not change. Trebonius knows his time, for look you, Brutus. He draws Mark Antony out of the way. Exeunt Antony and Trebonius. Where is Metellus Cimber? Let him go, and presently prefer his suit to Caesar. He is addressed. Press near, and second him. Casca, you are the first that rears your hand. Are we all ready? What is now amiss that Caesar and his senate must redress? Most high, most mighty, and most puissant Caesar, Metillus Clymer throws before thy seat, an humble heart. Kneeling. I must prevent thee, Simber. These couchings and these lowly courtesies might fire the blood of ordinary men, and turn pre-ordinance and first decree into the law of children. Be not fond to think that Caesar bears such rebel blood that will be thawed from the true quality with that which melteth fools. I mean sweet words, low crooked curtsies, and base spaniel fawning. Thy brother by decree is banished. If thou dost bend and pray and fawn for him, I spurn thee like a cur out of my way. No, Caesar doth not wrong, nor without cause will he be satisfied. Is there no voice more worthy than my own to sound more sweetly in great Caesar's ear for the repealing of my banished brother? I kiss thy hand, 
but not in flattery, Caesar, desiring thee that Publius Sember may have an immediate freedom of repeal. What, Brutus? Pardon, Caesar, Caesar, pardon, as though as to thy foot Dorcathius fall, to beg enfranchisement for Publius Sember. I could be well moved if I were as you. If I could pray to move, prayers would move me, but I am constant as the northern star, of whose true fixed and resting quality there is no fellow in the firmament. The skies are painted with unnumbered sparks, they are all fire, and every one doth shine. But there's but one in all doth hold his place. So in the world, tis furnished well with men, and men are flesh and blood and apprehensive. Yet in the number I do know but one that unassailable holds on his rank unshaked of motion, and that I am he, let me a little show it, even in this, that I was constant Simber should be banished, and constant do remain to keep him so. O oh, Caesar! Hence wilt thou lift up Olympus? Great Caesar! Doth not Brutus bootless kneel? Speak hands for me! Casca first, then the other conspirators, and Brutus stab Caesar. Et tu, Brute, then fall Caesar. Dies. Liberty, freedom, tyranny is dead. Run hence, proclaim, cry it about the streets. Some to the common pulpits and try out liberty, freedom, and enfranchisement. People and senators, be not affrighted. Fly not, stand stiff, ambition's debt is paid. Go to the pulpit, Brutus. And Cassius, too. Where is Publius? Here, quite confounded with this mutiny. Stand fast together, lest some friend of Caesar's should chance. Talk not of standing. Publius, good cheer. There is no harm intended to your person, nor to no Roman else. So tell them, Publius. And leave us, Publius, lest that the people rushing on should do your rage some mischief. Do so, and let no man abide this deed, but we, the doers. Re-enter Trebonius. Where is Antony? Fled to his house amazed. Men, wives, and children stare, cry out and run, as it were doomsday. Fates, we will know your pleasures. That we shall die we know. Tis but the time, and drawing days out, that men stand upon. Why, he that cuts off twenty years of life, cuts off so many years of fearing death. Grant that, and then is death a benefit. So are we Caesar's friends, that have abridged his time of fearing death. Stoop, Romans, stoop, and let us bathe our hands in Caesar's blood up to the elbows, and besmear our swords. Then walk we forth, even to the market-place, and waving our red weapons o'er our heads, let's all cry, Peace, freedom, and liberty. Stoop then and wash. How many ages hence shall this our lofty scene be acted over in states unborn and accents yet unknown? How many times shall Caesar bleed in sport? that now on Pompey's basis lies along, no worthier than the dust. So oft as that shall be, so often shall the not of us be called the men that gave their country liberty. What, shall we forth? Ay, every man away. 
Brutus shall lead, and we will grace his heels with the most boldest and best hearts of Rome. Enter a servant. Soft, who comes here? A friend of Antony's. Thus, Brutus, did my master bid me kneel. Thus did Mark Antony bid me fall down. And being prostrate, thus he bade me say, Brutus is noble, wise, valiant, and honest. Caesar was mighty, bold, royal, and loving. Say, I love Brutus, and I honor him. Say, I feared Caesar, honored him, and loved him. If Brutus will vouchsafe that Antony may safely come to him, and be resolved how Caesar hath deserved to lie in death, Mark Antony shall not love Caesar dead so well as Brutus living, but will follow the fortunes and affairs of noble Brutus through the hazards of this untrod state with all true faith. So says my master Antony. Thy master is a wise and valiant Roman. I never thought him worse. Tell him, so please him, come unto this place. He shall be satisfied, and by my honor, depart untouched. I'll fetch him presently. Exit. I know that we shall have him well to friend. I wish we may, but yet I have a mind that fears him much, and my misgiving still falls shrewdly to the purpose. Ah, but here comes Antony. Re-enter Antony. Welcome, Mark Antony. O mighty Caesar, dost thou lie so low? Are all thy conquests, glories, triumphs, spoils, shrunk to this little measure? Fare thee well. I know not, gentlemen, what you intend. Who else must be let blood? Who else is rank? If I myself, there is no hour so fit as Caesar's death hour, nor no instrument of half that worth as those your swords, made rich with the most noble blood of all this world. I do beseech ye, if you bear me hard, now, whilst your purpled hands do reek and smoke, fulfill your pleasure. Live a thousand years, I shall not find myself so apt to die. No place will please me so, no mean of death, as here by Caesar, and by you cut off, the choice and master spirits of this age. Oh, Antony, beg not your death of us, though now we must appear bloody and cruel, as, by our hands and this our present act, you see we do. Yet see you but our hands, and this the bleeding business they have done. Our hearts you see not. They are pitiful. And pity to the general wrong of Rome. As fire drives out fire, so pity, pity, hath done this deed on Caesar. For your part, to you, our swords have leaden points, Mark Antony. Our arms in strength of malice, and... Our hearts of brothers' temper do receive you in with all kind, love, good thoughts, and reverence. Your voice shall be as strong as any man's in the disposing of new dignities. Only be patient until we have appeased the multitude beside themselves with fear, and then we will deliver you the cause why I that did love Caesar when I struck him have thus proceeded. I doubt not of your wisdom. Let each man render me his bloody hand. First, Marcus Brutus, will I shake with you. Next, Caius Cassius, do I take your hand. Now, Decius Brutus, yours. Now yours, Metellus. Yours, Cinna. And my valiant Casca, yours. 
Though last, not last in love, yours, good Trebonius. Gentlemen all, alas, what shall I say? My credit now stands on such slippery ground that one of two bad ways you must conceit me, either a coward or a flatterer. That I did love thee, Caesar, oh, tis true. If then thy spirit look upon us now, shall it not grieve thee dearer than thy death, to see thy, thy Anthony making his peace, shaking the bloody fingers of thy foes, most noble in the presence of thy course? Had I as many eyes as thou hast wounds, weeping as fast as they stream forth thy blood, it would become me better than to close in terms of friendship with thine enemies. Pardon me, Julius. Here wast thou bade, brave heart. Here didst thou fall, and here thy hunters stand, signed in thy spoil, and crimsoned in thy lethe. O world, thou wast the forest to this heart, and this indeed, O world, the heart of thee. How like a deer, struck by many princes, dost thou here lie. Mark Antony. Pardon me, Caius Cassius. The enemies of Caesar shall say this. Then in a friend it is cold modesty. I blame you not for praising Caesar so. But what compact mean you to have with us? Will you be pricked in number of our friends? Or shall we on, and not depend on you? Therefore I took your hands, but was, indeed, swayed from the point by looking down on Caesar. Friends am I with you all, and love you all, upon this hope that you shall give me reasons why and wherein Caesar was dangerous. Or else this was a savage spectacle. Our reasons are so full of good regard that were you, Antony, the son of Caesar, you should be satisfied. That's all I seek, and am moreover suitor that I may produce his body to the marketplace, and in the pulpit, as becomes a friend, speak in the order of his funeral. You shall, Mark Antony. Brutus, a word with you. Aside to Brutus. You know not what you do. Do not consent that Antony speak in his funeral. Know you how much the people may be moved by that which he will utter? By your pardon, I will myself into the pulpit first, and show the reason of our Caesar's death. What Antony shall speak, I will protest he speaks by leave and by permission, and that we are contented Caesar shall have all true rites and lawful ceremonies. It shall advantage more than do us wrong. I know not what may fall. I like it not. Mark Antony, here, take you Caesar's body. You shall not in your funeral speech blame us, but speak all good you can devise of Caesar, and say you do it by our permission, else shall you not have any hand at all about his funeral, and you shall speak in the same pulpit whereto I am going, after my speech is ended. Be it so, I do desire no more. Prepare the body, then, and... Follow us. Exeunt all but Antony. Oh, pardon me, thou bleeding piece of earth, that I am meek and gentle with these butchers. Thou art the ruins of the noblest man that ever lived in the tide of times. Woe to the hand that shed this costly blood! Over thy wounds now I do prophesy, which, like dumb mouths, do ope their ruby lips, to beg the voice and utterance of my tongue. A curse shall light upon the limbs of men, 
domestic fury and fierce civil strife shall cumber all the parts of Italy. Blood and destruction shall be so in use, and dreadful objects so familiar, that mothers shall but smile when they behold their infants quartered with the hands of war. All pity choked with custom of felled deeds, and Caesar's spirit, ranging for revenge, with Atti by his side, come hot from hell, shall in these confines with a monarch's voice cry havoc, and let slip the dogs of war. That this foul deed shall smell above the earth, with carrion men groaning for burial. Enter a servant. You serve Octavius Caesar, do you not? I do, Mark Antony. Caesar did write for him to come to Rome. He did receive his letters, and is coming, and bid me say to you by word of mouth, O oh, Caesar! Seeing the body. Thy heart is big, get thee apart and weep. Passion, I see, is catching. For mine eyes, seeing those beads of sorrow stand in thine, begin to water. Is thy master coming? He lies to-night within seven leagues of Rome. Post back with speed, and tell him what hath chanced. Here is a morning Rome, a dangerous Rome, no Rome of safety for Octavius yet. Hie hence, and tell him so. Yet stay a while. Thou shalt not back till I have borne this course into the market-place. There shall I try in my oration how the people take the cruel issue of these bloody men. According to the which, thou shalt discourse to young Octavius of the state of things. Lend me your hand. Exeunt with Caesar's body. Scene two, The Forum. Enter Brutus and Cassius and a throng of citizens. We will be satisfied. Let us be satisfied. Then follow me, and give me audience, friends. Cassius, go you into the other street, and part the numbers. Those that will hear me speak, let him stay here. Those that will follow Cassius, go with him, and public reasons shall be rendered of Caesar's death. I will hear Brutus speak. I will hear Cassius, and compare their reasons, when severally we hear them rendered. Exit Cassius with some of the citizens. Brutus goes into the pulpit. The noble Brutus is ascended. Silence. Be patient till the last. Romans, countrymen, and lovers, hear me for my cause, and be silent that you may hear. Believe me for mine honour, and have respect to mine honour, that you may believe. Censure me and your wisdom, and awake your senses, that you may the better judge. If there be any in this assembly, any dear friend of Caesar's, to him I say that Brutus's love to Caesar was no less than his. If then that friend demand why Brutus rose against Caesar, this is my answer. Not that I loved Caesar less, but that I loved Rome more. Had you rather Caesar were living, and die all slaves, than that Caesar were dead, to live all free men? As Caesar loved me, I weep for him. As he was fortunate, I rejoice at it. As he was valiant, I honor him. But as he was ambitious, I slew him. There is tears for his love, joy for his fortune, 
honor for his valor, and death for his ambition. Who is here so base that would be a bondman? If any, speak, for him have I offended. Who is here so rude that would not be a Roman? If any, speak, for him have I offended. Who is here so vile that will not love his country? If any, speak for him have I offended. I pause for a reply. None, Brutus, none. Then none have I offended. I have done no more to Caesar than you shall do to Brutus. The question of his death is enrolled in the capital, his glory not extenuated, wherein he was worthy, nor his offences enforced, for which he suffered death. Enter Antony and others with Caesar's body. Here comes his body, mourned by Mark Antony, who, though he had no hand in his death, shall receive the benefit of his dying, a place in the commonwealth, as which of you shall not. With this I depart, that as I slew my best lover for the good of Rome, I have the same dagger for myself, when it shall please my country to need my death. Live, Brutus, live, live, live. Bring him with triumph home unto his house. Give him a statue with his ancestors. Let him be Caesar. Caesar's better part shall be crowned in Brutus. We'll bring him to his house with shouts and clamors. My countrymen! Peace, silence. Brutus speaks. Peace, ho! Good countrymen, let me depart alone, and, for my sake, stay here with Antony. Do grace to Caesar's corpse, and grace his speech, tending to Caesar's glories which Mark Antony, by our permission, is allowed to make. I do entreat you, not a man depart, save I alone, till Antony have spoke. Exit. Stay, ho, and let us hear Mark Antony. Let him go up into the public chair. We'll hear him, noble Antony, go up. For Brutus's sake, I am beholding to you. Goes into the pulpit. What does he say of Brutus? He says for Brutus' sake he finds himself beholding to us all. T'were best he speak no harm of Brutus here. This Caesar was a tyrant. Nay, that's certain. We are blessed that Rome is rid of him. Peace, let us hear what Antony can say. You gentle Romans. Peace, ho, let, let us hear him. him. Friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. I come to bury Caesar, not to praise him. The evil that men do lives after them. The good is oft interred with their bones. So let it be with Caesar. The noble Brutus hath told you Caesar was ambitious. If it were so, it was a grievous fault, and grievously hath Caesar answered it. Here, under leave of Brutus and the rest, for Brutus is an honorable man, so are they all, all honorable men, come I to speak in Caesar's funeral. He was my friend faithful and just to me. But Brutus says he was ambitious, and Brutus is an honorable man. He hath brought many captives home to Rome 
whose ransoms did the general coffers fill? Did this in Caesar seem ambitious? When that the poor have cried, Caesar hath wept. Ambition should be made of sterner stuff. Yet Brutus says he was ambitious, and Brutus is an honorable man. You all did see that on the Lupercale I thrice presented him a kingly crown, which he did thrice refuse. Was this ambition? Yet Brutus says he was ambitious, and sure he is an honorable man. I speak not to disprove what Brutus spoke, but here I am to speak what I do know. You all did love him once, not without cause. What cause withholds you, then, to mourn for him? O oh, judgment! Thou art fled to brutish beasts, and men have lost their reason. Bear with me. My heart is in the coffin there with Caesar, and I must pause till it come back to me. Methinks there is much reason in his sayings. If thou consider rightly of the matter, Caesar has had great wrong. Has he, masters? I fear there will a worse come in his place. Marked ye his words? He would not take the crown, therefore tis certain he was not ambitious. If it be found so, some will dear abide it. Poor soul, his eyes are as red as fire with weeping. There's not a nobler man in Rome than Antony. Now mark him, he begins again to speak. But yesterday the word of Caesar might have stood against the world. Now lies he there, and none so poor to do him reverence. O oh, masters, if I were disposed to stir your hearts and minds to mutiny and rage, I should do Brutus wrong and Cassius wrong, who, you all know, are honorable men. I will not do them wrong. I rather choose to wrong the dead, to wrong myself and you, than I will wrong such honorable men. But here's a parchment with the seal of Caesar. I found it in his closet. Tis his will. Let but the commons hear this testament, which, pardon me, I do not mean to read, and they would go and kiss dead Caesar's wounds, and dip their napkins in his sacred blood, yea, beg a hair of him from memory, and dying, mention it within their wills, bequeathing it, as a rich legacy unto their issue. We'll hear the will. Read it, Mark Antony. The will, the will, we will hear Caesar's will. Have patience, gentle friends, I must not read it. It is not meet you know how Caesar loved you. You are not wood, you are not stones, but men. And, being men, bearing the will of Caesar, it will inflame you, it will make you mad. Tis good you know not that you are his heirs. For, if you should, oh, what would come of it? Read the will. We'll hear it, Antony. You shall read us the will, Caesar's will. Will you be patient? Will you stay a while? I have o'ershot myself to tell you of it. I fear I wrong the honorable men, whose daggers have stabbed Caesar. I do fear it. They were traitors! Honorable men? The, the will! The, the testament. testament! They were villains, murderers. The will! Read the will! You will compel me, then, to read the will. Then make a ring about the corpse of Caesar, and let me show you him that made the will. Shall I descend, and will you give me leave? Come down! Descend! You shall have leave. Antony comes down. A ring! Stand round! Stand from the hearse! Stand from the body! Room for Antony, most noble Antony! Nay, press not so upon me! Stand far off! Stand, Stand back! Room! Bear back! If you have tears, prepare to shed them now. You all do know this mantle. I remember the first time ever Caesar put it on. T'was on a summer's evening in his tent. That day he overcame the Nervii. Look! 
In this place ran Cassius's dagger through. See what a rent the envious Casca made. Through this the well-beloved Brutus stabbed. And as he plucked his cursed steel away, mark how the blood of Caesar followed it, as rushing out of doors, to be resolved, if Brutus so unkindly knocked, or no. For Brutus, as you know, was Caesar's angel. Judge, O oh you gods, how dearly Caesar loved him. This was the most unkindest cut of all. For when the noble Caesar saw him stab, in gratitude, more strong than traitors' arms, quite vanquished him, then burst his mighty heart. And in his mantle, muffling up his face, even at the base of Pompey's statua, which all the while ran blood, great Caesar fell. Oh, what a fall was there, my countrymen! Then I and you and all of us fell down, whilst bloody treason flourished over us. Oh, now you weep, and I perceive you feel the dint of pity. These are gracious drops. Kind souls, what? Weep you when you but behold our Caesar's vesture wounded? Look you here, here is himself, marred, as you see, with traitors. O oh, piteous spectacle! O oh, noble Caesar! O oh, woeful day! O oh, traitors, villains! O oh, most bloody sight! We will be revenged! Revenge! About! about. Seek! Burn! Fire! Kill! Play. Let not a traitor live! Stay, countrymen! Peace there! Hear the noble Antony! We'll hear him! We'll follow him! We'll die with him! Good friends! Sweet friends! Let me not stir you up to such a sudden flood of mutiny. They that have done this deed are honorable. What private griefs they have, alas, I know not, that made them do it. They are wise and honorable, and will no doubt, with reasons, answer you. I come not, friends, to steal away your hearts. I am no orator, as Brutus is. But, as you know me all, a plain, blunt man, that love my friend, and that they know full well that gave me public leave to speak of him. For I have neither wit, nor words, nor worth, action, nor utterance, nor the power of speech to stir men's blood. I only speak right on, and I tell you that which you yourselves do know. Show you sweet Caesar's wounds, poor, poor dumb mouths, and bid them speak for me. But were I Brutus, and Brutus Antony, there were an Antony, would ruffle up your spirits, and put a tongue in every wound of Caesar, that should move the stones of Rome to rise in mutiny. We'll mutiny! We'll burn the house of Brutus. Away then, come, seek the conspirators. Yet hear me, countrymen, yet hear me speak. Peace ho! Hear Antony, most noble Antony. Why, friends, you go to do you know not what. Wherein has Caesar thus deserved your loves? Alas, you know not. I must tell you then. You have forgot the will I told you of. Most true. The, the will. will. Let's stay and hear the will. Here is the will, and under Caesar's seal. To every Roman citizen he gives, to every several man, seventy-five drachmas. Most noble Caesar will revenge his death. O royal Caesar. Hear me with patience. Peace, ho. Moreover, he hath left you all his walks, his private arbors, and new planted orchards, on this side of Tiber. He hath left them you, and to your heirs for ever, common pleasures to walk abroad and recreate yourselves. Here was a Caesar. When comes such another? Never, never. Come away, away. We'll burn his body in the holy place, and with the brands fire the traitor's houses. Take up the body. 
Go, fetch fire. Pluck down benches. Pluck down forms, windows, anything. Exeunt citizens with the body. Now let it work. Mischief, thou art afoot. Take thou what course thou wilt. Enter a servant. Ho now, fellow. Sir, Octavius is already come to Rome. Where is he? He and Lepidus are at Caesar's house. And thither will I straight to visit him. He comes upon a wish. Fortune is merry, and in this mood will give us anything. I heard him say, Brutus and Cassius are rid like madmen through the gates of Rome. Be like they had some notice of the people, how I had moved them. Bring me to Octavius. Exeunt. Scene three. A street. Enter Cinna the poet. I dreamt to-night that I did feast with Caesar, and things unlucky charge my fantasy. I have no will to wander forth of doors, yet something leads me forth. Enter citizens. What is your name? Whither are you going? Where do you dwell? Are you a married man or a bachelor? Answer every man directly. I and briefly. I and wisely. I and truly. You were best. What is my name? Whither am I going? Where do I dwell? Am I married or a bachelor? Then to answer every man directly and briefly, wisely and truly. Wisely I say, I am a bachelor. That's as much as to say, they are fools that marry. You'll bear me a bang for that, I fear. Proceed directly. Directly, I am going to Caesar's funeral. As a friend or an enemy? As a friend. That matter is answered directly. For your dwelling, briefly. Briefly dwell by the capital. Your name, sir, truly. Truly, my name is Sinna. Tear him to pieces. He's a conspirator. I'm Sinna the poet. I'm Sinna the poet. Tear him for his bad verses. Tear him for his bad verses. I'm not Sinna the conspirator. It is no matter. His name's Sinna. Pluck but his name out of his heart and turn him going. Tear him, tear him. Come, Brands, ho. Firebrands. To Brutus, to Cassius, burn all, some to Decius, house and some to Cascus, some to Ligurius, away go. Exeunt. End of Act Three.